let me just say thank you for the happy birthday song. Um, it's, it's not often that your birthday falls on a Sunday, so I really, really appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> as you get older, do, do, the, do the years go faster to you? Does it seem like it's... It, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, as I get older, my family's call is, is Jen and Tripp and Susanna are desperately trying to keep me from looking like one of those characters in the Geico commercials, you know, and uh, it's a hard job. Uh, they're doing the best they can, but uh, I am truly blessed to be here. Um, I love St. Luke's, and I, I love you back. Thank you for um, that. It means a lot to me, so I appreciate that so much. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may our meditations that are on our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, God. Help us to see you, O Lord, in scripture and song and sermon and prayer so that we might see you everywhere when we leave this place. Plant your gospel deep in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So every 10 years, they do a, um, a poll about what's the most um, popular hymn in America. And every year the same hymn uh, gets it. I bet you know what it is. Let's see if you know what it is. Amazing Grace, how sweet the? That saved a wretch like I once was, but now I'm was blind, but now I, that's the John's gospel right there wrapped up. The gospel of John that we just read is really that. It's to be, it's to find something and to be, or to be found. It is to see something or someone or to be seen. What a great passage here that Hunter read for us. It's fascinating. Call stories, people who heard their names called by Jesus. And if you go back before this text, you'll see that Jesus was hanging out with the rock star named John the Baptist. He was way more famous than Jesus was at the time. John was ending, kind of going down in his career, but he was pointing to Jesus. John was the Nick Saban, I guess, and Jesus is the you know, new coach coming up. And, and John looked at him and said, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the one that I've been saying. This is the guy who came after me, but really he's before me because he's way ahead of me. I don't even deserve to put sandals on his feet. This is your man. That's how John tells the story. You see, Andrew and Peter, they're not throwing nets in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, they're hanging out with John the Baptist by the river. And so, almost immediately, Andrew and another disciple followed him. Where are you staying, Jesus? He says, come and see. Where are you abiding? That's a part of our mission statement here, abiding love. Where are you abiding? Well, you'll just, says Jesus, have to come and see. And Andrew just immediately thanks John for all his work and service, but he follows Jesus. Andrew goes before this text and tells Simon about it. Hey, we found Jesus. Simon makes, I don't know, such an impression or whatever. Jesus changes his name to Peter. Kepha, rock. It's 
So Jesus looks at Simon and says, I see more in you than you may even see in yourself. And then it says, we get into our text, uh, Jesus decides to go from from the riverbanks of the Jordan north to Galilee County and to look for others searching. And he finds Philip. Philip, he says, follow me. Philip is so excited that he goes and gets his friend, Nathaniel. And this is where the conversation gets kind of weird, sort of funny, and sort of odd. But just notice, Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel. And Philip tells Nathaniel, we have found the one. And what does Nathaniel say? He just sort of blurts out. I don't know if you're this kind of way that... Maybe you don't, you, you, your filters aren't as good. You just kind of say what's on your mind. I mean, that's a gift. You know, you got to be careful with that gift. But he says, what good, Nazareth? Little old hick town, Nazareth? Who's going to come out of Nazareth, you know? What good can come out of Nazareth? It reminds me when I grew up in Brookhaven. And I was kind of, there was a lot of Ole Miss fans there. And some guy, when I was, you know, 17 or 18, hey, where are you going to school? I said, well, I'm going to Mississippi State. He says, well, the only good thing that ever come out of Starkville was Highway 12, right? <laughs> now, he's a nice guy, and I knew him, and it was all right. I still speak to him today. Um, but uh, he was just poking a little fun. He said, no, I'm just kidding. It's great school. You go up and have fun. But that's exactly what Nathaniel was saying. It's like, I can't imagine anything good coming out of Nazareth. You're telling me that the Messiah is coming out of Nazareth? The story kind of leaves your head spinning. Because all these stories about Epiphany are about thresholds. So Philip and Nathaniel, these are hinge points in their life where they're invited to be a part of something or someone that's going to change their life. And so that's where they are on the threshold. Notice that Philip does not argue with Nathaniel. Nathaniel, you're crazy. You need to come. And he didn't, he didn't say, or no, if you don't think that much about Nazareth, then maybe you shouldn't come meet Jesus. He says the, the three words that's the best evangelism strategy that ever, ever was invented. That is, come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Because there is nothing like knowing that you've been found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And some people are found by Jesus, and they don't even know they're lost. You know? They don't even know. They don't even realize. And, and it was so exciting to Andrew, to Simon, and to Philip that they had to let the next person know. They didn't go out and preach on a sidewalk. They didn't try to understand everything at one time. They just said, I have experienced Something that I, I can't even describe. You just have to come to see it. Isn't that how we're evangelists for everything else in life? Hey, have you seen that new Netflix? It was awesome. You just got to see it. LaRue Owen, who is a retired pastor, he and John Moore um, uh, went to Amerigo's over here. And he posted a Facebook. You know how sometimes like a restaurant can go to another place and it doesn't taste as good? But he said, oh boy, it's, it's, it's good. And so the other day at lunch, I kind of went with full confidence. Why? Because LaRue Owen said it was, 
It was good. That's what we do. And that's what they did when they met Jesus. And Nathaniel's just a little skeptic. Any skeptics here? Anybody that kind of have to see it to believe it? He said, I'm not sure, right? But he goes. He goes. And he begins to follow Jesus. You know, it's better to follow Jesus and to fail than to fail to follow Jesus. And what's amazing about all this is that even with his attitude or his mindset or his raw honesty, he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, Behold, behold an Israelite in which there is no deceit. And then Nathaniel steps back and, and he says, Well, how did you know me? And then Jesus said, He said, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Does anybody watch The Chosen? Okay, so there's a great scene there, and I love it, because in The Chosen, Philip is right behind him, and Nathaniel looks at Philip and says, did you tell him about me? And Philip goes, no, I didn't say, say it's a word about you. Jesus was saying, uh, and there's a couple of ways you can look at the fig tree. The fig tree was where the rabbis talked about the Torah, the scripture. It's where they, how do you read this? How do you read that story? And so maybe Nathaniel was one of those kind that was always listening to the rabbis under seeking what, what's going to happen next and when is God going to bring us the Messiah. And Jesus said, look, before you even, even before you were searching for me, I was searching for you. Then Jesus says, you've come to believe because I saw you under a fig tree. Jesus says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You'll see greater things than that. You'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You see, seeing has a deeper meaning in the Gospel of John. Seeing means waking up. Hearing your name called and knowing that maybe I've got to look at this world differently. Maybe I've got to see this world differently it's about seeing something that you can't fully describe, but you can't completely keep in. Seeing Jesus is the first step of discipleship in the Gospel of John. There's lots of searching and finding in God's, uh, John's Gospel. There's lots of seeing and being seen. Do you remember the woman at the well? She wasn't looking for God. She wasn't looking for Jesus. She just wanted to wash her clothes in peace and quiet. And then an hour later, she's running into the city, this Samaritan woman, by the way, this outsider, and converts the whole city. Come, come to the well and see a man who knows, who knows, who saw everything that I've done, who knows my whole life. And it says she was the first evangelist in the world. She converted a whole city. Or Thomas, remember Thomas? He had a little bit of that Nathaniel in him. He was a little skeptical. He missed out on the first Easter appearance, resurrection appearance. And they rushed to John. You're going to have to see it, John. Jesus is alive. He said, I saw him tortured and killed on a cross. I'm going to have to feel his wounds on his side and in his hands to believe. I've got to see it to believe it. They bring John in seven days later. And Jesus calls John's name. He doesn't even have to put his hand on the scars of Jesus. He saw and he believed, my Lord and my God, now I believe. 
What do you make of this? What's, what's our epiphany lesson from this? What can we learn? Three quick things. You can learn a lot, but let me just narrow it down to three. We learn that if we're honest, maybe we too have our stereotypes of people. Maybe, maybe we don't think God can work inside of people. Now, you've got your stereotypes and I've got mine. But I'll tell you my experience. Whatever people I think are inferior to me or less than or I don't think God can reach them. God plays funny tricks on me because they're the very next kind of people who help me out when I have a flat tire or I'm at Walmart and so somebody does something good for me. And I just can't knock the fact that God is always poking at my stereotypes and my prejudices. I don't know what yours are, but we've all got them. Nathaniel was just honest enough to say that he had them. So what are they? Let them go. Nathaniel almost let his prejudices keep him from meeting Jesus face to face. Don't let that happen to you. Say a prayer tonight, today, this week. God, melt my prejudices away, whatever they are. Free me from that. Because I don't want to be the kind that would deny you in the shape, form of another person. Second, maybe we learn that to be a follower of Jesus is really about finding others and sharing his love and joy. And maybe it's just that simple. That's how we become evangelists. You tell somebody what God has done for you, and you're sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Philip didn't argue. He just said, come and see. And that's really what we do. Come and see. Come and see. That's all I can say. Just get people you love to Jesus. Now, we don't have the physical Jesus walking around anymore. So you can't take people literally to Jesus. But you can take people where Jesus can be encountered. You can take people... To the places where Jesus can be experienced. And my God, I hope that the church is one of those places. Lord, have mercy. I know we can get tacky. And I know we fall far short. But every now and then in church, among the gathered people, I see Jesus. And I experience Jesus. Jesus can be found at church. Now... Okay, I'm going to sound a little judgy here, but sometimes there are church buildings where Jesus is hard to find, okay? It's hard to encounter him. Have you ever walked in a church where you could just tell people were miserable or desperate or really didn't care about you, but they treated you, I don't know, like a notch on a belt? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever gone somewhere on vacation or visiting a family somewhere else? And not one person talked to you or treated you like a human being at the gathering. That's happened to me. It's a bad feeling. Especially when I'm hungry to to hear some good news. And I remember Jen and I once time, it was on Easter. It was awesome. It was a beautiful place. And, And the choir was great. Sermon was pretty good. Not one person said hello to us. And it was it was jolting. Sometimes it happens. 
No doubt about it. Sometimes it happens at churches that I'm pastor of. Sometimes it happens with me if I'm honest with myself. But maybe, maybe I can wake up to that and learn from it. Maybe there's something we can do if we are evidence A of the risen Christ being alive in this world. Now, we can do something about that. We can contribute to that. Because I know Jesus is alive and well. But sometimes we can get in the way. When we tell people, come and see, there better be something that they can see when they get here or at any church. Is the church a place only where we talk about God? Or is it a place where we can experience God? Because there's plenty of religious talk in this world. But what I'm looking for, what Nathaniel was looking for, is a real life, authentic relationship we can have. And we want a place where we can nurture and grow. So how do we do that? How do we build a place where Jesus is experienced beyond ritual or tradition? We do discipleship John's way. We pay attention to relationships. We pay attention to each other. In John's gospel, before we can do anything for Jesus, we have to realize who we are to Jesus. Discipleship is not just a call to mission. It's an invitation into a real relationship that makes a difference in our lives. Discipleship is seeing and experience Christ up close. Just last week, you know all those coats y'all brought? It's going to get bad cold in the next few days. And it's going to drive up our gas bill. And it's going to be really inconvenient for us. But it's, somebody could die in Jackson if they don't get help. And so some of those jackets we kept, just in case someone comes up to this door, and you can ask Fran or Beverly, it happens a lot. We've got a great coat to give them. God bless you. Do you want a Pop-Tart? Do you want something else? We've got that for them. But I took a bunch of them to Grace Place at Galloway United Methodist Church because they're very close uh, to a lot of people in the homeless population. And what you gave may be life or death to somebody. What you gave also may be a sign of hope for somebody who's at the end of their rope. If you've ever been there where the homeless are served, these are not dumb people. Some of them are way smarter than I am. These are amazing people who are doing all they can and their stories will break your heart. But what I'm saying is when that happens, it's almost like dropping that off and knowing Lori Till and the people that run Grace Place. It's like I, I, I could hear Jesus. I could hear Jesus smile that somebody cares about the least of these in this world. Of course we can do more. But there are places I know where we're doing something. God is leading us to do something. And I love that. I love that. Anybody ever gone to a Billy Joel concert? Anybody? Raise your hand. Have you? Okay. I love Billy Joel. And uh, Jen and I got to dance to all his songs in Nashville. We were in the, the arena there, this big old arena. It was about four years ago. And he sang all the songs that we grew up to. He sang them all. It was like a two-hour concert. He sang everything. I learned something about Billy Joel that we could learn something about the church. Billy Joel got so tired of the richest and most entitled people getting front row seats. 
Because what they would do is they would go in and sit on the front row seats, and guess what they would do? They would yawn, and they would stare at their iPhones. So he stopped selling front row seats, and he sends his roadies about 20 minutes before the concert to go up to the worst seats in the house, and he brings 60 people down to the front row. He said, you wouldn't believe what happens He said, when we started doing that, people got excited and it ignited the whole arena. There was was an overflow of energy. And y'all, I want to be the church of Billy Joel. You know? I want to be that kind of church. And I know sometimes we get a little spiritually entitled and, and, and we forget what God has done for us and we're not quite as excited. And sometimes, sometimes in real life, we just get caught staring at our iPhones, bored to death, forgetting that God got us a front row ticket. Hey, Nathaniel, you think you've seen something? You ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to get a front row ticket to love and forgiveness in peace, you're going to see things that will happen that you could never imagine because of who I am. Just trust me. And when you're on the front row and listening, I don't know, to scenes from an Italian restaurant, don't be afraid to dance. Don't be afraid to love. Don't be afraid to be overwhelmed like Nathaniel. Being Jesus' disciple is to know and see him from the front row. It's to get that front row ticket on grace, on the miracle. Last thing, quickly, on this text. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. Now, Nathaniel called him the Son of God, but he said, oh, you're going to see angels ascending and descending down on the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a quote from the book of Daniel. It's kind of a political title. It's... um, Uh, I won't go into all that, but it's sort of about resisting the king when the king is evil. Steadfast, remain steadfast and all that. But the Son of Man has another meaning that I think touches closer to you and to me. The Son of Man is another way of saying the human one. Human one. Paul, in one of his writings, saw Jesus as the new Adam. As the new human one, as the one who would show us what it means to be fully human. Because I'm going to tell you something. Your humanity is not the problem. God created you beautifully and God called it good. And whatever your quirky personality is, whatever, whatever gifts that you had that you wish you didn't have, or whatever gifts that you don't have that wish you did have, Jesus says, come on. I need exactly what I gave you. I just need you to let me help you to live fully in your humanity. I'm the new Adam. I can do it. It's like he was saying to Nathaniel, I know you blurt out stuff. And I know sometimes you have unfiltered thoughts. And guess what? I can use you. Let me love the world through your quirkiness. Because you're my seasoning on the world. What good can come from Nazareth or Jackson or Greenwood or Brookhaven? Turns out a lot of good if God's involved. Will you help Jesus make this place where he's not just talked about but encountered? Will you? Will you go find the next Nathaniel or Samaritan woman 
or doubting Thomas who needs to be here and wants to see something when they get here. It's a pretty easy speech to memorize. Come meet the Savior who knew me before I knew him. Come and see. That's it. That's all you have to say. And bring him here and let's make this a place where people can get a free ticket, front row ticket to God's concert. Amazing grace, how sweet the, the saved a wretch like I once was lost, but now I was blind, but now I, amen, amen. I invite us to, uh-oh, we're changing the hymn. Three, 378? 378, please stand as we sing.